The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. Her name is Walandria Blair. So you might know her from Twitter. She Her handle is at Willow B, B-E-E. Um, she is a screenwriter. She is doing a lot of cool things. She's a former nickel top 50 placer, um, in 2021, which is the same year that I was in the top 50. So we have like a bunch of things in common that come out during this episode. Um, she is an AFI conservatory graduate. Um, she has a lot of cool things going on that we jump into in this episode. She's also just really cool and really insightful. And uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, that said, guys, uh, listen to the episode. If you hear something you like, uh, hear something you think I said that's really dumb, give us a shout out on Twitter and mention it at Social Writer Pod. Uh, tag us up. Say anything. You know what I mean? I just like talking to you guys on there. Um, and then also, if you like what you hear and you want to donate to the show just to help me out a little bit, you can do that. And I'll remind you guys, it's my birthday week on uh, my birthday's Wednesday. I'm just saying, I don't really care what you do, but I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, um, you can donate to the show by going to the Linktree link in our Instagram and Twitter bio. Uh, there's a Linktree link at Social Writer Pod. And there's a button that says donate, and it takes you to a PayPal page, and PayPal is legit. We're not afraid of PayPal. PayPal is good. Um, and you can donate a couple bucks if you want to. I really appreciate it if you can. Um, that's about it, though, guys. Without further ado, let's go ahead and start the show. It is nice to see you in person. Um, and you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. We've been trying to schedule this for a second, but like life is just so insane that I totally get it. And uh, it, this happens every single guest. It's like, let's find a day for an hour and a half. And it's so hard to find 90 minutes. But um, I'm glad that you took the time. And you're at Willow B on Twitter at Willow B-E-E. Uh, so yes. guys, before we even get into the interview, go follow Willandria because she's awesome. Uh, it's a good follow. Uh, so you are from Flint, Michigan, correct? Yeah. Yes. I was born in Lansing. I need you to knock it off. I swear. What? I promise you. Yeah, I was born there, but I only lived there for like, I think like a year of my life. So I don't remember Michigan very much. Got it. You but, got uh, out probably yeah. before the winters sort of said, because you don't forget about those for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about those. I can imagine. I mean, I, I saw the movie Eight Mile. It looked cold <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> oh. It looked kind of chilly, so I'll, I'll take your word for it. But you are also, um, this is really cool. You're a 2020 AFI Conservatory graduate, uh, American Film Institute. So conservatory, I always thought that was acting. You went for screenwriting, correct? Yeah, conservatory is basically... Um putting it into action more so than I suppose book learning. Um, so it's not oh. it's just like as soon you just jump into it and that's sort of literally what you do with the okay. conservatory program. Got so it. It, it's doing 
as opposed to, you know, reading about or studying, you know, so much. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like the only conservatories I've ever heard of the one at my film school was only for the actors. So maybe that's why I thought it's only an acting thing, but that makes sense. Good to have that cleared up. Um, Okay, cool. So yeah, you um, graduated from there. So you're two years out now. Were you a pandemic graduate? During the I pandemic? was. We graduated just as it started. And they were like, oh, I'm sure it's going to blow over. We'll probably just like put a pin in this and then like, you know, be back before it's all over. But yeah, it was like we literally we were the pandemic graduating class. Yeah, yeah I was, too, actually, at my film school. We were May of 2020 or was it June? I think May. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I got yeah. to sit in my kitchen and watch my name scroll across on a on a tablet. Uh, that's how we did our graduation. You didn't do an actual graduation. We did like two months ago in 2022. We came back to finally do it. Wow. Yeah, it was they insane. just postponed ours. So it was like, like one weekend was the 2020 class. And then the next weekend was the 2021 class. So they just, you know, put a yeah. pause on it until yeah. we could do it. That's what ours did too, but we did 2020, 21, and 22. So it was I love that. so many you people. properly graduated. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And it was weird though, because I was two years out of college and it just, I didn't even feel like that was me anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, I was so yeah. far removed from being a student, but it was cool that they let us do it. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll just jump into. Um, something you know what else we share in common before i start with questions we were we were also both 2021 nickel top 50 uh i saw that west woman your drama feature was in the top 50 yeah that's That's awesome we also share that down like you were in there twice not in the top 50 no i had one in the top 50 and one that was like a semi-finalist so what was that top 150 was the semi-finalist. Are you just like bragging right now? No, like, I'm not bragging. You, you brought know, it up. Only one was top 50. The you brought it up. No. All right, listen. I didn't. Like, <laughs> You're coming for me today. No, I'm, I'm not trying to brag. I was just, you brought it up. I'm pinning all the blame on you. <laughs> and you know, this is like all of, and you know, I'm, I'm one of your biggest Twitter fans. So I, oh. I just try to keep up with you, which is, I feel like, why bother? But I do my best. Andy. I do my best. <laughs> no. Well, I love your Twitter presence. So we've been friendly since like 2020, right? Like, I feel like yeah, that's when I, I got into like Twitter. That's when you just, it seemed like you were way more established for sure. No, like, uh, so I made my Twitter in 2009 for many, many years. I would drift in and out and I could never figure it out. I felt like I was just talking to the void. Like no one would ever interact with me. And then, yeah, when the pandemic started, I came back and I didn't have that many followers, but I started talking about screenwriting, trying to engage with screenwriters, talking about my writing, uh, all those things that you do, you know, uh, uh, comments on other people's posts and stuff. And I mean, just like a, a pro tip for anyone who wants to get into screenwriting Twitter, but feels like they're not a part of it, which like you are, if you're a writer and you're, you have a Twitter account, you're yeah. a part of it. But if you want to be more engaged, like that's all I did. And a lot of people I know that's what they do. It's just like, try to be a part of it, be supportive, you know, and uh, you'll just start making friends. But yeah, anyway, I was the beginning of 2020 was when I really got into Twitter. 
Wow. And I think probably now that you mention it, pandemic helped because I think people were looking for connections and building community because it was so like writing is already so insular and private and you're doing it in a vacuum that, yeah, I, I know that's the reason that I really sort of got on. Aside from, you know, like once you graduate, you sort of really do need to build a community however you can build it. But typically mm-hmm. people try to do it in person. Let's meet up for coffee. Let's, you know, blah, blah. And there was no easy way to bump into, you know, other writers or people in the industry. So I yeah. think that was a place we all sort of came you know, in 2020, especially it's just like, I'm crying in a corner and I can't go outside. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And who would have thought it would be like, you know, maybe not an entire two years of quarantine, but like that first year was crazy. Hard. Like we were locked in for a long time. And yeah, yeah. I think you're exactly right. That's why it kind of took off. Um, I remember a few people like Guy Crawford, who we love on the show. Um, love and- Guy. Yeah. And a couple other people who were around before the pandemic on screenwriting Twitter, they would talk about how like, oh, this is not normal. This is like an explosion all of a sudden of people participating. But, you know, it's it's obviously great. Uh, I think, you know, you kind of alluded to this already, but like sense of community is so important with writing and creative work, film, art, anything. Well, like I, I, I just, I didn't expect Twitter to be to me what it is now of mm-hmm. just like, I just love it. I love seeing everybody making progress and like even people I followed two years ago to see how far we've come in two years of just like working at it, grinding. And some people have gotten reps. Some people have placed really high in some prestigious contests and yeah just all that stuff is so cool to see. And I just wonder where we're all going to be in five, 10 years, you know, hopefully we'll be uh, going to uh, premieres and they're like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My friend, uh, another guy, I don't know if you know, Gabe Braxton on uh, yeah. Twitter, but he's a, a horror writer. One of my first friends on there. And he actually just messaged me yesterday. I don't think he'll care me sharing this, but he was like, uh, I can't wait till someday we're in LA just like, sitting sitting around just like you know outside of a premiere of one of our movies and blah 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 and he sent me that yesterday and so it's like fresh in my mind but like yeah I think about that stuff all the time you know it's going to be so wild to see where we're all at in a few years yeah um, anyway let's jump into you let's talk about you so I want to know how did you get into screenwriting I got into screenwriting I'd, I'd always sort of been into it, but, you know, always had day job because, you know, bills, they never stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, screenwriting is nothing, you know, that is promised, you know? Yeah. Um, so I got into it seriously. Like when I decided to go to AFI, um, obviously later in my life, um, mm-hmm. because a little story, I was helping my daughter with the process of, you know, she was in the midst of college applications and she was doing all this stuff. And I'm, you know, had constantly the mantra had been like, Oh my God, you could be out there and do anything. Like just, you know, go for it, you know, go for your dreams, never settle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meanwhile, she's giving me a little side eye, like, really, this is, I thought you wanted to be a screenwriter, like what's up. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I got called out (laughs) And and, you know, it was just sort of like, all right, like, you know, as long as I'm alive, I feel like there's always time and opportunity to do and, and, and to make things happen. And I would rather 
Because, you know, I get, you know, AFI and people were just like, oh, my God, you're never going to get an AFI. Like, shut up. And so I was just like, well, maybe, maybe I could. And I would Mm -hmm. rather, you know, live with rejection, you know, going, okay, I didn't with. But aside from but I didn't want to live with regret of never having tried. And so I just made it, you know, a pact sort of with myself saying, okay. She's going to be filling out applications. I'm going to fill out an application. It's the only school I applied to. I'm like, if I get in, that's the universe saying, yes, it's time for you to do this. And I got in and I was just like, I'm going, whatever has to happen happens. And for two years, I'm going to not only dedicate this time to me, which is possibly as a mom, the most selfish thing I felt like I would, I could do. Cause mm-hmm. it's just like, Oh my God, like I am putting myself first, which is weird. And it felt weird. Yeah. But at the same time, I felt like, you know, it's necessary because you can't always be, a, you, you know, be that person who wants to be a role model if you don't walk the walk. And I think, you know, having that experience, like with my daughter looking at me going, all right, cool. Like how long? So my, so your big idea of, you know, sacrifice and blah, 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 is just like, when do you get to do something? Like what kind of, you know, lessons are you teaching me right now? And so like, I know this was such a long answer. But, no, no, um, <laughs> no. I love it. It's so good. Keep going. But, um, you know, and, and cause it was, it was like, you know, AFI is no joke. It's like, you know, sometimes 8am to 9pm and like you are, you know, first week you're writing scripts and you're putting together cycle films and you're putting together teams and figuring this whole thing out. Mm-hmm. And it took so much time and, you know, time away from kids and, and house stuff and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I did feel, you know, that guilt, I think in the first couple months probably but Mm. then um it sort of all went away when you know my my daughter was just like out of the blue she was just like i'm really proud that you're my mom and i was just like oh my god yeah yeah (laughs) like i get what you're doing i get you don't have time to go to my soccer practices and basketball games and blah 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 she was like but i get what you're doing and what you're doing is more important right now than Mm everything that you have already, you know, been doing for others. It's just like, this is important for me to see too, that you can, you should be doing things for yourself. That is so beautiful. I love that. You know, that's the start of a movie too, right? A mom and daughter <laughs> filling out college applications at the same time. I like, like, don't think that I haven't jotted that down somewhere. Hey, it's in a book. It should <laughs> be. Things to perhaps figure out for later. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And I can see what you mean. I was funny enough, I was watching the show Master Chef the other day. And uh there was a, a cook on there who was because they have to go travel and be with the yeah. show away from their families. And she was talking about that. Like, I'm the the hardest thing for me right now isn't this cooking competition. It's trying to deprogram my mind from mom mode. You yes. know, like I just I don't feel like I'm doing what's right, because for years I've conditioned myself to be the caretaker and not put myself first in my dream. So as you were saying that, I was thinking about her. But um, yeah, I can see that because uh, there were cow. your were both your kids college aged or close to my it? daughter. My son is um, actually, you know, at this point, they're both going to be seniors, my son in high school and my daughter okay. in college. So, yeah. So you yeah. were in mom mode for well over a decade, nearly two well decades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. No, that's so great. That's really such a beautiful story. And I love that your daughter, even at a young age, has that like emotional intelligence to be like, no, like you 
good enough caretaking. Like, this is for you. This moment's for you. I can make sacrifices now because I yeah. want to see you grow. Uh, that's just amazing. Uh, so can you tell me about your brand? Actually, no, before I jump into that, one thing I wanted to ask. So what was it like um, getting applying to and getting into AFI? Because it's like, it's such a prestigious program. I kind of want to hear more about that, especially for anyone listening who might be like, I thought about applying. Uh, how did okay. that go? And how is it like, how are you told when you're accepted? Are there interviews? Um, yes, it is. Yeah. It is a process for mm -hmm. sure. Um, the, you know, the thought of, of um, when I considered going to film school, as I said, it was the only place that I applied because it's the only place that I really wanted to go, probably because of its reputation and it's so well known. Yeah. And, you know, I felt like if I am going to do this, then I want to go to what at least I felt like. I don't want to, you know, assume what other people's experiences were, but I wanted to go sure. to at least the school that I felt was the best, you know, mm -hmm. film school. Mm -hmm. um, and I uh, applied and so it's like, as with, you know, anybody who's applied to any program, you know, you have your personal essays and then you have to have like recommendations and you have to have like a writing sample. And so you like, it's a, it's a whole gauntlet of writing material that you have to submit in this package. Mm -hmm. And um, then if they like the package, then they'll set up an interview for you. And uh, you interview with typically uh, two people, the head of the department that you're applying for. So for me, it was screenwriting department head. And then one of the um, instructors is, is uh, typically, you know, what they do. Um, that's nerve wracking because yeah. uh, you just don't know what to expect. You don't know what they're going to ask you. you don't, I mean, I suppose with any interview, you don't know what the secret sauce is. And then yeah. like, you know, it's kind of a chemistry test, honestly, too. Mm -hmm. And did that part of it. And then of course you get the, 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 the beauty of like the waiting game. And it's sort of like, Oh my God. And I, I can't, I feel so bad for my husband. Cause like literally every other day I was just like, I'm not getting in. I'm not getting in. Like, I don't even know why I bothered doing this. Like, I hate this so much. I hate that I even tried. And yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah. like, sounds about right. Sounds about right. For sure. <laughs> it's like the worst. It's the worst. And I don't, I feel like if they knew what people go through, like emotionally, they would just tell you, like, just tell me, you know, like, yeah. am I in it? Am I not in it? Like what's going on? Yep. Because it's a long wait. Cause they have so many people to interview and people are flying in from out of the country. So it's it so crazy. So yeah. It is. And so fortunately, and it's really weird how it happened. I don't want to say really weird. I'm just going to say timing was very cool how it happened, mm -hmm. but, um, it was the day before my birthday mm -hmm. and I was actually at a theater watching Oscar nominated shorts mm -hmm. and I had missed a call from the department head at AFI because I was in the theater. So awesome my phone start. Was off. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love missing that phone call. You've been waiting on for months. <laughs> right. And yeah. then like, I, I, uh, checked my phone. I was just like, Oh crap. And then of course called right back and they're like message, you know, like, oh, we'll call you back. And I'm like, no oh. way. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> and then I was just like, Oh, cause they, in the message, it wasn't anything like definitive, like congratulations. It was like, Hey, we'd like to talk to you about like your application. Uh... And you, I'm like, but then like called them back, blah, blah, blah. We played phone tag for a minute. And then they were finally like, Hey, 
we'd like to welcome you to AFI. And it was very cool because even um, the phone calls kind of, they don't call necessarily everybody. Like, I don't want to set up that they do that. Like typically mm -hmm. you find out through an email mm -hmm. later, but um, for some people, as uh, it was explained to me, they do call them um, if they just know early that they would just like to solidify your placement, you know, at mm, AFI. So cool. yeah, I was just like, yes. Like there if you, you let go. me in, yeah, I'm going like, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so cool. That's such a great story. Yeah. Um, and I, I would agree with you. It's definitely one of the top, if not the top film school in America. I think like my brain always goes to AFI and like, isn't NYU's film program like really well revered i think really well revered it, so. yeah for sure um yeah. ucla is great ucla I mean, chapman, chapman is great so there are a lot yes. of lot of programs and and yeah so i just i just picked you know that one because all of them don't have the conservatory program though so Got a lot it. of it is like you know I've not been to them, but my understanding is like more classroom kind of atmosphere mixed mm -hmm. with filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like jump in there and, and get it done. So Got I was it. very interested in that aspect of it as well. Got it. Yeah. I went to Webster University and it was definitely more classroom. And then you do make films, but a lot of classroom learning. So yeah, I think yeah. you're right with that. Um, cool. So then we will fast forward now back to uh, how would you describe your brand? It's every writer's favorite question. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, I, I, I mean, you can go to I don't know if you remember what it says, but I read your bio um, on your website before we did this. And oh, it, had a, it had a nice little description. I didn't write it down. I, and I didn't memorize it, but I'll tell <laughs> you what it is right now. In my Just heart tell me. Mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it's it's just really you know i'm i'm old enough i feel like to have a lot of experiences um a lot of sort of eclectic kind of diverse experiences that i like to um delve into uh with heart and and humor so i guess i guess that that is the the heart of it i love diverse worlds I love exploring them, um, the, the tragic along, you know, with the comedic elements of it. Cause I feel like, you know, there, it's a, it's a umami, I suppose, of, <laughs> of emotion that I try to get out of the stories that I tell, mm -hmm. like whether it's, you know, like you brought up like West women, like, mm -hmm. you know, which is a, a tr very tragic sort of story, but there's, you know, there's still heart and there's still humor because, you know, in humanity, it's a, it's a holistic, you know, I think approach. And I think that's how you learn and that's how you make it through things that are kind of horrible sometimes is that you find that connectivity and that humanity and, and those funny moments, even, yeah. even in the midst of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I do a similar thing. Yeah. I like to think that I hope that my script can at least make you laugh laugh and then you turn around and have tears in your eyes because you're sad exactly. and then you laugh again and if, I, I think the best laughs come when you have sadness sad tears in your eyes and then yeah. something makes you laugh that's like some of my favorite moments in life um Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. such a beautiful thing and you're right i mean that's life though because I, I i describe my stuff the same way a lot is that um you know uh heart and humor tragedy and comedy because like isn't that just what life is you know it's it's tragedy and comedy you know for sure and yeah. you know understanding 
um, that that all of it, at least I imagine for for everyone, but you know, for for me, as I said, just comes from like nuggets of truth. Like if I'm gonna mm-hmm. write about like losing someone, or if I'm gonna write about like a breakup, or if I'm you know whatever it is, it's just like. And and I'm not reinventing the wheel. I just feel like, you know, everybody, you know, sort of does that, but everybody does it in their own special, particular way with their own voice, which is, you know, why I think I definitely love reading other people's stuff because it's sort of like a little insight, you know, and just like, oh my God, like, what has this person been through? But like that technique and the style and the mastery of language for Mm -hmm. them to pull me into it and make Mm -hmm. me relate to it, Mm -hmm. I think is, you know, sticking that landing that, that everybody's kind of like looking for. A hundred percent. That's the X factor when you can pull them into your world and your viewpoint, even if they come from a different background. Um, That's the X factor. I think that like, you know, when people talk about what is it that reps are looking for? What is it producers and execs are looking for? It's like, that's it really. It's just like, like you said, the mastery of language and the ability to translate your experiences into, you know, a captivating story or whatever. It's, it's funny because it's so complex and so hard to understand as a aspiring up and coming screenwriter. But at the end of the day, it's so simple like what you need to try to do, you know, it's, it's, it's deceptively simple. Mm -hmm. You just have to be really, really good at it at the end of the day. Like, yeah. (laughs) And and it just takes a ton of practice. It takes a lot of bad writing to get to be a better writer. And, um, for sure. Uh, so I was wondering before we go further, would you mind giving a log line for West woman? Just so we can all, if we reference it, people kind of know what it's about. Um, it is, it's about um, a God-fearing widow mm-hmm. whose daughter is um, tragically murdered mm-hmm. by a, a notorious gang, which sends her on a quest for justice across mm-hmm. the Wild West with an um, untrained posse of other African-American women. Amazing. That is so cool. So it's like a, a Western... Uh, revenge drama that is badass (laughs) (laughs) i like it it sounds really awesome um and starting out as a widow too and then losing a child like that's that's a a protagonist that we are ready to follow to try to beat their demons or whatever but uh yeah okay awesome that sounds cool so we're going to get into a little more like writing process kind of stuff, uh, how you get it done. So since everyone's routine is unique, can you kind of describe your regular writing routine? Like, are you a morning writer, nighttime writer? Do you write in one place or do you like to go rogue and go to different locations to write? And uh, what, like, what's it like for you? Are you a coffee shop writer? No, I need a place with very, very few distractions. I find I need to have like, you know, earbuds in because I can't let other things into my head Mm -hmm. because I'm easy. Like, I'm like, oh, something sparkly over here. And then Uh I'm like, "Ah." and I was just like, no, I have to focus on this. So typically I do write in the same place, which is in, you know, my bedroom, because Mm -hmm. I find that I am a morning, either early morning or late night because Mm -hmm. of my day job, you know what I mean? And I think that I'm like, all right, let me at least write a couple things. Like, let me get it in where I can fit it in kind of deal. So it's just sort of like 
wake up, turn computer head. And then I go for a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's mostly out of convenience probably than anything else that I'm just like, how, how can I just get the quickest from computer thoughts on, you know, pages and then get on with my day kind of deal. Gotcha. How long are those sessions usually? Like, I know there's no cut and dry time, but there's no cut and dry time. <laughs> um, I find if it depends on how, how it's coming to me, I try to make myself, even if nothing is happening, sit with it for like an hour. Yeah, and, then, same. and then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to force it. But mm-hmm. if, if it starts coming then I'm like, all right, cool. Then we can, I'll, I will go for as long as I can, yeah. you know, depending on if it's like as I said, like a work day, or if it's a weekend, a little more flexibility, but, you know, definitely if I can't even, you know, start it writing down those like key bullet points, like, okay, this should happen. This should happen. And like writing down those like bits. So when I come back to it, it's still there and I don't lose. Yeah, definitely. I know that's how I, all my scripts start in a word document and it ends up being this jumbled mess of ideas that are like kind of organized. And then before I write the script, I have to like actually organize that word document of random ideas. Uh, but I'm the same way. Like my phone is loaded with ideas because if I think of it and I don't write it down, it's gone, it's gone yeah. forever. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I have like, I'm manic about taking notes. Um, cool. So about your like writing process, like let's say you have a new idea What's the first thing you do? You just got this new feature idea, pilot idea. Do you jump into an outline? Do you write a log line? Do you write a title? Do you need a title before you can get started? That's kind of how I feel. I need some kind of working title. Uh, (laughs) Or do you just jump into pages? Some people just start writing the scene that's going to be on page 68. And that's how they get a feel for the tone. I, I, I haven't it depends on the story kind of, because yeah. sometimes it depends on how it comes to me. Mm-hmm. Because if I see like with the, with the Western, I saw the scene, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the scene that I'm like, okay, this is, this is how I need to build to get here. So I'm going to yeah. start with this scene. And that's the kind of like, all I had is like, I know I want this. Now mm-hmm. I have to build a whole world for me to get this. Yeah. And then for some, um, and like, honestly, West women, I never found a title for it. It was just sort of like West women TBD, like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then it stuck and then it was too late to go down that road anymore. Well, I mean, it's a so. great title. Like, <laughs> I mean, from what you described, you know, it's, it's very simple and gets the point across. Like you can hear the title West woman and kind of start imagining what it's about. And I think that's well, a good I- title. And, well, thank you. Yeah. It's it been up for debate for, for many, many moons about like, oh, it should be more descriptive. It should be. And I'm like, yeah, I potentially agree with you. Is there something better out there? Maybe. I <laughs> you tell it, me. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not thinking of it. I've been on West Woman right. for a couple of right. years. I've been, <laughs> I just been writing it. I can't go back. And but right. for um, some things, it's like, I really do. I get, I thought I was the only one who was like OCD, but I, I need the title mm-hmm. before I can even really formulate what this is. I'm like, ah, like this has, it has to start here. Like this has mm-hmm. to be the beginning and then I can get it, but it will always hang me up if I don't have something to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, ah, I don't, I don't yeah. like that feeling of not me having too. a title. Hundred percent. I'll do you one even nerdier is that I like to go to this website called defont.com. It's just like a font website. 
And if I think of my title, say I want to call my movie uh, uh, The Mustang, I will type in The Mustang and hit enter and I'll see a bu- it written in a bunch of different font styles. And I'll just go through until I see the one that I think would be on the poster. And once I get that, I download the font, put it at the top of the Word document and under put like outline. And I start my little outline process and all that. But like, I, I need I, I need a, I need a font. I need to like start imagining it. Yeah, I don't know. You need a font. Like I've never. Yeah. That's deep. That goes way deeper than <laughs> than I would ever. Wow. I okay. told you it's nerdy. It's very nerdy. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I don't, I don't know what it is. I I, I just need because then like I don't know. I think it's because if I get like a cool font style and I see the title and it looks all flashy, it becomes a little more real in my mind. Maybe that mm. like, uh, Oh shit, yeah. I'm doing this. Like I'm writing this movie or I'm writing this like, pilot. I already have the poster. Like I got to write the movie. How am I going to get to the poster? I have to catch up to the poster now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Or this thing's going to come out and not even have a script. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so, and you are, are you an outline person? This is a very hotly debated topic. I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter before. I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it get pretty dirty on, yeah. on Twitter over this outline. Yeah. Choose and your words I'm carefully. Going to say to, to each their own mm-hmm. on that. And I think it goes once again, project by project for me. I'm not like, I feel like if I, it depends on, I'm saying a lot. What I'm trying to say is this, it depends on how much I hear the voices. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I can hear the story, then I'm like, all right, I can skip some stages because it's coming to me too quickly. Like I'm, mm. I'm getting full pictures of what this is supposed to be. Like, I don't need to do that much detail, but if I just sort of have an idea and I'm like, all right, I really need to like really think these steps through and figure, figure this out. Cause sometimes it's given. And then sometimes it's just like, all right, I need to spend some time with it. I still love the story, but it's not speaking to me as clearly as others. Does that make sense? Gotcha. No, it does. Totally. And like, yeah, I think the reason that's because I agree. um, I used to not outline at all. And then I was like, oh, well, professional writers outline. I got to outline everything to a T. And I started doing that and I'd get to like page 30 and be like, oh, wait, now that I know more about these characters from writing their dialogue, this doesn't seem right anymore. So I've reached this healthy medium of like, I like to do the biggest plot points, like the act turns, you know, and stuff like that. Think about that ahead. And then also it's subject to change. If I write and I feel like that's not in anymore, go the other direction. Um, but those arguments are always the same thing. Cause it's like, uh, you know, non-professional screenwriters, which like, I'm still in that category. I haven't sold anything yet. Um, we, we, a lot of times are like, well, you, you can be loose, man. It doesn't really matter, you know? And then there's professionals who are like, no, you don't understand. Like you get paid. They want to see a treatment up front. You need to know how to outline if they want to buy a treatment. And it's like, that's true. Um, I just think it's so funny. These arguments are the same way every time because it's like, um, it's like we're fighting about different things. Like, uh, like it's different things, but also at different stages. If somebody's like, just to say, just because I don't do it for my own writing, 
Mm-hmm. It's very different than, okay, I am a paid writer and this is an assignment for somebody else. I'm going to give you an outline. Like that doesn't yeah. mean I don't know how to do it. It means yeah. for my own personal trying to get this story out on weekends or after work or whatever, I'm going to do what fits my time and my style. Yeah. And yeah, sure. When I'm, when I'm a paid, like I can do this full time. I'll do whatever you want. If you're giving me a check, they'll get beat sheets. They'll get whatever they're paying for. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it (laughs) it seems like it always like is this slow burning thing that builds up to, Oh my God, we're talking about two different things. Why is this a fight? Um, Which is uh, not just screenwriting Twitter. That's kind of everything on Twitter. Uh, You get to a certain (laughs) point where it's like, no one's going to have their mind changed. We're all just angrily typing into our phones. Like it's just kind of silly at some point. I mean, things should be discussed. I'm not saying that we shouldn't discuss things, but uh, it's just kind of funny watching those arguments unfold and be like, there's no end in sight for this. Like it's not worth your energy. Because there's no, there is no right answer. It's like if it works for you and for whatever you're doing, great. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. that's the state and not to get this political, but I feel like that's the state of politics. Like what mm-hmm. works for me should be for me, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. you telling me <laughs> what works for you and putting that on me. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's just sort of like, you know, but <clears> I feel <throat> the same way that, you know, it's, this is the place for that dialogue. And, you know, Twitter, I think is, it, it all comes with community. People having and different points of view. It does. It does. But as long sure. as everybody is respectful and and open and you know it's just sort of like okay we're not changing minds but i it's a place to be heard yeah heard and sometimes dismissed but always heard yeah 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 yeah. it's always respectful for the first like couple hours and then it just goes (laughs) off the rails uh but yeah i agree though um in theory that is absolutely how it should always be you know yes uh respectful discussions so on average, how long does it take for you to get a first draft done? Like you have your idea, you are, let's say, let's say like, you know, if you're going to outline, that's the starting point. Or right. if you're just going to jump into pages, but like you have an idea, how long does it take you to get that first draft done? First, I want to say feature just to name okay. it. Yeah. Um, I would say on average maybe maybe a month month and a half damn that's good is it like it's hard to tell i mean it's just sort of but you know we're talking about super rough first draft like okay i just have all these beats basically filled out because i am very much like when you're asking before like outline or treatment i'm like a a nine beat sheet Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. like okay i need to know just those things like, okay, what's the inciting? What's, you know, the turning point, what's the blah, 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 like to get Mm -hmm. to, you know, all those things. And then I can typically get to based on just filling that out with that guide. Typically, like, I don't try to do like over 120, but like I can get to like a hundred, 110 pages typically. Yeah. If I'm good. And if I do the whole, I'm going to sit with this for an hour, no matter what, Right. type out something no matter what i'll right. get there i mean it, it'll probably be like trash but if i go back to it at least i'm like all right there's some there's some bits in here i see where i'm going and yeah and solid foundation that, 
there's a lot of variables too like you mentioned like that's only if i'm diligent and try to write every day for at least an hour um where some people are like i hit it two times a week for a couple hours so therefore i take three months um but for me like i'm also and there's another variable too that like i'm a perfectionist with first drafts i'll rewrite as i write and uh and so by the it takes me forever I usually take like three to four months for a first draft, but by the time it's done, it's in like an okay place, like a place where I'm like, I would let people read it, you know, on the second pass. I would definitely (laughs) like, again, I'm a perfectionist. I don't want, I I like some, I've learned too, as I get further into it, that with first drafts or really, really early drafts, I want to at least do like two or three quality control checks before i send it out just to not waste people's time because you're asking them to read over 100 pages you know it's like it's not a small favor you're asking so yeah i want to make it worth their while so to to your point to get it where i would allow somebody to read it and feel okay about it it's probably way more in the four to six month range okay cool for me yeah because i i had to kind of break myself of the habit of doing Mm -hmm. what you just described Mm because I would literally write two pages go back and start over with like oh this I should say it this way like I would Mm -hmm. like catch over like should it be said you know they're going or we're going or it's just like okay dude you're never going to get past page five if you keep going back and undoing and unraveling things you just just did so I have taken you know, uh, the, the point of don't like whatever is in you, whatever you want to do right now to go back. I was like, I make a note of it and mm-hmm. I'm like, I will go back and revisit it. I've, I've written down what yeah. my question is, what thing I might want to improve upon, like the little Easter egg that I need to plant earlier for this to pay off later. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I just do an aside note knowing that I can go back and I, I just have to keep going. And I guess because, you know, my time is just so, you know, it's, it's limited, you know, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of, you know, work that I'm Mm -hmm. just like, I have to see this through. Otherwise I'm never, I'm never going to get past the midpoint. (laughs) Right. Right. No. And I totally respect it too. Cause that's the other thing too, is like everyone has circumstances and we're all just different. It's an art form. It's not like, um, it's not something where there's one way to do it. You know, it's no, like, no. no, there's infinite ways to do it. And you can all arrive at an Oscar winning script by doing it infinite different ways. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, while we're on the subject, uh, do you mind me, do you mind sharing what your day job is? Or if you're not comfortable with that. No, 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 it's cool. Um, I'm a creative director in advertising and mm-hmm. that's how come, you know, I think we had a hard time finding a day. It's just say like, because, you know, it's a real deal and I'm going into uh, production next week. So I was flying out to have to fly out tomorrow and then my whole week is gone with that production. And so it's a lot of, it's a lot. Ooh, like productions, like when you say ad- commercial production, commercial productions. Yeah. That's like what uh, Maria Miala does. Uh, she is a producer for like commercial productions and stuff like oh, that. So that. yeah. Yeah. Do you know Maria on Twitter? I do. Yeah. 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 She's awesome. I just interviewed her and yeah, that's her day job. Um, cool. That's awesome. So you are getting to like flex those creative muscles at work. Um, even though like, as she described, sometimes it can almost be exhausting because you're working that same part of your brain you need for later. 
Yes. It's like you do not get a a break from it because it's still, you know, I'm on, you know, of course the copywriting side of it. So I'm Mm -hmm. still, you know, writing scripts, but just, you know, with product placement, you know, in them and like trying to sell this product and yeah. uh, radio spots and, and billboard. And so it's like, it's a, it's a lot of you working that same muscle, like over mm-hmm. and over and over and over. So it feels like yeah. once even I get a break from that, it's like, oh, I don't really get a break from it. I just get to do it for me as opposed to a client, but it's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's like almost whenever you envy having a just non-creative job just like I, you know i could at least use the other side of my brain <laughs> you know yeah, uh, yeah. I, I used to be a, a restaurant server for many years and that, that 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 worked out when i think back on it it's a different type of exhaustion you're still mentally exhausted yeah. you're still physically exhausted so i guess there's no winning until someone just gives us a good enough paycheck that we don't have to do that anymore and we can just right. write but and we'll i see. think like that that is that is the dream right to be yeah. able to like just truly focus all of your energy in what you love i think about it all the time it, you know all the time yeah yep i think about waking up and having a cup of coffee and sitting at my desk and being like all i'm supposed to do today is work on my film career that's it how amazing would that be oh, like my i'm God. supposed to be here and I get to just be here. And yeah. it was sort of like getting a taste of that, you know, going, you know, to AFI and giving myself permission to do that. Of course, mm-hmm. I, I was paying for that permission as opposed to getting paid for it. But yeah. it was just sort of like amazing to have that, you know, weight, other weights off of shoulders and just be like, I have to be present in this moment, in this, you know, passion of mine. Yeah. And, you know, having that be able to do that for like two years was just like amazing. And then I was like, okay, back to the grind because back once to the real world. To pay. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you had already had, you know, uh, non-writing jobs before you went to AFI too. So like, I think for a young person who just goes to AFI out of school, uh, out yeah. of high school and, uh, doesn't really get a taste of that life. It's maybe like more, well, no, not more of a gut punch because you don't know what's on the other side. But for you, yeah, it's for like yeah. when, when this two years ends, I know that I got to go get my day job again and get back on that grind. And it's not fun and it sucks, but <laughs> we all got to do it. And like when you think about having that dream life of film, too, it's like everyone who has that life. Maybe not everyone. Some people are more fortunate, but uh, people who come from, you know, working class like you and I, uh, they earned it they earn that life and that privilege yeah. to be, you know, doing that. So you, you can't take that away from them. So it's hard work. That'll get us there. Hopefully we're for on sure. our way. For sure. I think so. Uh, so whenever your first draft is complete, what's the first thing do you do? Do you like send it to peers? Do you do feedback services for like paid notes? Do you throw it into contests? Like what are you doing whenever you have a draft that you're like comfortable with sending out? The first thing I do is have um, my family members read it. Mm-hmm. Like they're the first layer mm-hmm. um, because typically it's, as I said, based on some experience or something. So they would know a little bit more. I have more insight to yeah. what I'm writing about, um, which is helpful 
because it's like a, a truth tester. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like, eh, I was there, like, I don't know. Or this could be like, there were moments here that you could have like pulled out more or whatever. So they've been pretty good as being, you know, get first draft guinea pigs. And then I think the benefit too of going, you know, to, you know, AFI or film school um, is sort of still having that writer's community where mm-hmm. we often still read each other's stuff, um, mm-hmm. having been through that process and, you know, we're just sort of used to doing it. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of still like, you know, a lot of generosity there, I think with each other and like talking through, you know, drafts and um, things like that. Um, I think I would never pay for feedback. I'm just going to mm-hmm. put it out there. I mm-hmm. feel like um, I would fair. rather have people that I know and who know me give me mm-hmm. feedback than some, cause you know, who knows who this person is. And as opposed to doing paying for feedback, I would much rather pay for a competition yeah because then at least i'm still going to get feedback but then if things continue to work out and if people like it enough then there's also you know something to it that's substantial as opposed to just feedback you know what i mean so if i'm going to pay for something then i would want some kind of roi in it Mm -hmm. as well as possible and then if you know nothing comes of it then i know okay going back to the drawing board on this one (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right. No, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, and like paid feedback too, like you said, I, I've mentioned this before, but like when I first started out, I got notes from ScreenCraft and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm taking these things as gospel because this is like a working professional in the film industry giving me these notes. And then the further I get into being in screenwriting and everything, you learn that a lot of times this is like a 20 year old college kid who's interning and they're in a screenwriting program like I was. They don't necessarily know more than you. You might even know more than them. Um, So, yeah, it's like once you kind of pull the curtain back on the way that that whole paid feedback and, you know, to some extent, contest industry works. Here's what I'm going to say. For anyone who might be starting out mm-hmm. or, you know, just entering this whole idea of doing competitions to please, please really consider the ones that are worth doing because there are so many out there where mm-hmm. it's just, they're generating money off mm-hmm. of people who, you know, want that validation, who are looking for like some sort of, you know, level setting. I'm like, okay, where am I? Like how to, how to level up. And there are plenty of people who are just like, so willing to take your money mm-hmm. and it won't mean anything. Like you yeah. could place in their competition. It means nothing to the industry, you know, just point blank period, you know, because they yes. don't have the cachet, they don't have the reputation, their competition isn't considered. And it's already like, there might be like three that the industry honestly cares about, but often it's enough, you know, to at least give you something to tweet about, to put on your IG because Laurel's yes. while, you know, everybody doesn't, everybody's not watching. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't care but it gives you something to stay out there to talk about, to stay on people's radar, which Mm -hmm. I think is incredibly important because you have to, and this is the thing that I learned and that I really still hate the most Mm -hmm. is having to be your own PR and having to be your own advocate because nobody gives to, I don't know if you can swear on this show, but nobody cares cares about Nobody gives a shit. 
No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think that's the thing, you know, that I sort of had to come to because I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, you know, I, you know, I did all this stuff and like somebody likes this story. And then they were, you know, and from people who had graduated ahead of me and, you know, and just in understanding, you know, the world a little bit, just like, that's why I got on Twitter. That's why, you know, I got an Instagram because you have to put yourself out there. You have to create, as you called it, a brand for yourself. You have Mm -hmm. to get that community behind you Mm -hmm. um, and also be there to support them because this whole thing is like, so it's, um, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Mm -mm. Like, you know, everything is the wild west. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you don't know, like I could talk to Andy today and Andy could have a project tomorrow and be like, oh, I can't do it, but maybe Willandry would be good for this. And so it's like, it's all that connectivity and networking, which, you know, I think we said before is not happening naturally anymore. So it's just like on social media, you know, you don't know who's going to follow you or who, you know, is going to be in your world and remember you for opportunities that come up or see you spot you, you know, whether it's representation, whether, you know, it, it could be anything, Mm -hmm. but you have to be present in order for, you know, anything to, to happen. So I would just, just, you know, really consider, and the list hasn't really changed, you know, since I have been taking notice of the list for the past like five, six years, as far as like those top five competitions that will serve you and that are worth paying for. So I would just really put your effort and, and, and money into the things that you're going to see benefit you. Yep. Yep, definitely. So much to unpack there, because honestly, like you said, everything that I think all the time and some other stuff that opened my mind to it. Uh, But I'll say, too, just for people listening who don't because everyone's newer writers, it's so hard to know, like people talk about the contests that matter and the ones that don't. What are they? And I'll just say, like, um, from my opinion, I've said this before on here, but like mine are like the nickel is the cream of the crop. That's the one yeah, that helped me. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Austin Film Festival is Austin Film Festival is pretty widely regarded as second. Yeah. Uh, Page Awards are do, awesome. do things for people. Script Pipeline does things for people. Uh, Launchpad, which I saw you at a placement, I think top 50. That yep. that creates some traction. Uh, there are reps. I got my pe- representation from Launchpad because oh. one of my scripts was top 50. West Women was top 50, I think, on Launchpad. And then I had another uh, feature that was uh, top 10. And I got representation off of that. Oh, where are you repped? Because I didn't see it. Everyone puts it on Twitter. So I was like, oh, I, don't, I didn't know if you were repped. Where are you repped at? Yeah, I'm repped with Romark Entertainment. Oh, cool. Okay, sweet. How when did that happen? That happened um almost it, it was it was within the year I graduated. Gotcha. So yeah. 2020, early yeah, 2021-ish. Yeah. yeah. Management, but I don't have an agent. Me either. Yeah. I just have a manager. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, those are just a few, um, always do your homework on, on contests 
the, the thing I learned early on was look at the past winners and the past, like, you know, high placing people uh, and Google them, see what they're doing now. Uh, see if there's any information about like, oh, they hadn't a script optioned or this or that, or they did get management. Uh, I would say that's a huge thing if you're entering contests is trying to get management. That's why many people enter them. And uh, that's why what I was really going for. But I also wanted to say like what you said about like uh, the laurel game of screenwriting contests and, you know, the ego stroke that we do, we, we want, we want people to know that we're doing okay but also yeah. like we want to feel like we're doing okay, which is valid. That's a very human thing. Like you, you validation yeah. feels good. Uh, this is something we work so fucking hard at and often yeah. by ourselves. And uh, like you said earlier, it's insular. So it feels good. But um, what cracks me up is that a lot of these competitions will basically sell you a laurel and then you're doing free advertising for them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, it's just such a funny thing to me. Um, and I'm not even hating on it. I'm just saying that like, it's just really funny how the whole thing works. Like people talk about the gamification of screenwriting and you could say the same about films and film festivals. I answered sure. one, uh, one film festival in 2020 talking about places that don't do shit for you career wise. <laughs> uh, I answered this one and it was like 40 bucks and we got selected and it, it was our first short film. We were like, Oh my God, we got selected to this festival. And um, it was during the pandemic. So it was an online screening, which what can you do? Uh, but the really shitty thing was to see our film. It was in a category with, I forget what it was, horror shorts, thriller shorts, but there was literally like 82 films. And I think we were filmed like numbered 57 on a list wow. of 82, whatever films. Right. Um, so it's like, you know where to find the film to watch your own film, but it's like, no one is going to this category to watch all 82 shorts. I just guarantee that. Um, so what audience are you gaining? It was literally, we paid $40 for a Laurel. That was right. pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, no career traction, no nothing, no audience growth. Um, and that can happen with screenwriting contests too. So just do your homework. Uh, if, if you're not on a budget, do whatever you want. But if you're on a budget, like many of us are like, seek out the ones that actually have done things for people. Um, I sure. wouldn't have gotten repped without the nickel you, I mean, maybe someday you wouldn't have gotten your current rep without Launchpad. Um, it's a huge tipping point, uh, for a lot of us, but you got to answer the ones that matter so much too. what I've learned in my years now of trying to chase this dream is, um, you can never meet too many people like meeting people. And just like you said, it, it's about being present, being seen, participating uh not just on twitter but like in everything that you can uh as far as screenwriting goes if it feels right um yeah it has it, to be it's such it has a good to idea true to to you and what what yeah you're not overusing the word brand but like who who you are and where you where you're headed because you know I, you know all the time people are just like you know along with these you know competitions that we were talking about there's you know that handful of fellowships that everybody wants you know what mm -hmm. i mean like the abc diversity fellowship and you know all of these studio that yeah for sure the yeah. warner brothers like all of those yeah so universal many, all of yeah. them mm -hmm. which are great which yeah. are amazing highly competitive mm -hmm. but yeah it's sort of like 
it's like the lottery. If you don't show up, you don't, you will for certain not win. You know what I mean? So it's still like, like you with, um, applying to AFI. It's like, if I don't do this, I'll just, all there is is regret potentially forever. So it's like, just try it. And sometimes it works. Uh, you just never know. Um, and, and I'm also a firm believer too. I think you kind of have to be when you're chasing such a big dream that when you don't get shit, it's because it just wasn't meant to happen right now. And it's like, you can look at that in any context you want. I'm not like a particularly religious person, but like, I do think of like the universe and like purpose and things come and go for a reason. And you have a gut feeling for a reason about people and things and, you know, whatever. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's just definitely make you, it will either make you grow up or it'll chew you up. You know what I mean? As far as like, just like your own, kind of like, okay, how am I going to deal with this much rejection? Cause it's a rejection game more than a success game. I mean, uh-huh. for at, at a certain level, like God bless everybody was just like, Oh, I was, I was working out the gate. Yeah. Good for you. Good yeah, for yeah. you. But yeah. <laughs> for the yeah. rest of us, for, I think the more broader population, which mm-hmm. you know, that has to be in it for a minute. Um, you know, it's, it's a hard thing. And I think to your point, you know, really embracing that idea that I I am going to be happy for every one of your wins. And I am going to understand that that win was meant for you. That win wasn't meant for me. Right. And just be at peace with that. Because, yeah. you know, it's so easy to be covetous and not to say that, you know, I've mastered that because there's been plenty of things where it's just like, I really wanted that. And mm-hmm. why wouldn't that come to me? Like that should have been mine. Like I was ready for that. My mm-hmm. sample was great for this. It was perfect. There's a, yeah, sure. It was perfect. Somebody else's was more perfect. Like there's always, <laughs> you know, a reason that's super And the hard thing is set. Everything is so subjective. There's no rule mm-hmm. to it. Somebody mm-hmm. might've read mine on a bad day. Somebody might've read somebody else's and it was just like hit all the right marks for them because they were in that mood or whatever, or it was actually better have to accept that too. And yeah. so it's like, it's all based on somebody's opinion who either opens the door for you or doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I like to think too, that like anytime, you know, before I was repped, I was entering a lot more contests and sometimes the results come out and all your friends made it and you didn't and it feels like shit. Uh, <laughs> but through that, I've kind of learned um, that like y- your next win is coming. You know, it's always coming. You always have some good news coming on the way, uh, even when things feel so bleak and bad. And also like for me, like if not getting in the screenwriting competition, it's your worst problem right now, then like you're doing all right. So, doing all right. Um, exactly. so don't worry about it. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that was all very, very valid stuff. Um, so what are your hobbies outside of screenwriting? <laughs> Um, that's the hard part. It goes back to, you know, I have so little time for other stuff. And honestly, I don't want to right now, at least do anything else. Like, I feel like I am so driven to utilize the time when I'm not working to really focus in hope, because that's the thing that I find exciting. That's the thing that, you know, gets me up in the morning. It's just like, I get to go 
back into this world I'm creating and explore it and get new characters and like, oh, go back and uh, there's a twist or turn that I need to add here. So yeah. like literally that's, if I have to spend time doing something, that's what I go to immediately because it's, it's the thing that, that I truly just enjoy above all else. Yeah, that's I should awesome. maybe do something to stop working, as you're saying, like that same part of my brain all the time. Yeah. But so far, I haven't found any because I would just be distracted with character stuff. Or like, oh, my God, that's a great idea for blah, blah, blah. Or I have to remember this dialogue. So, yeah, yeah right now I'm just in it. I'm in yeah, the but writing. Like, <laughs> if, if you're still on a forward trajectory and you're still happy and like uh, you're a very you seem to come across as a very happy person. So like if things are going well, then who cares? You know, like you, you're on the right track of, you know, all that work got to being repped and now you're taking generals and still working on new stuff. And like, I don't see a reason to take a step back. The only reason that you would maybe need a new hobby is if it's draining you and yes. just like, you you look at the laptop like i can't look at that right now then maybe it's time but like you're saying you're like i want to do it you know it's yeah. not, it sounds pleasurable and i think the way that you're describing it is great does it deplete energy or give energy and right mm -hmm. now it still gives energy so mm -hmm. like yeah i don't i don't really see you know stuff keep up your workaholic ways keep it up <laughs> <laughs> it's working yeah but yeah. no, I mean, but like you said, you know, your job is demanding. So like writing is an escape. Yeah. You know, so sure. that, that's good. Yeah. You're working on your own stuff. Yeah. Uh, of the scripts that you've written, which I know there are many and we didn't talk about them all here, but which is your favorite and why? Um, I would probably in this moment, mm -hmm. I would say um, West Women only because for me, it it served a purpose on a lot of levels. Um, I had always been a fan of Westerns. I think just that story structure has always appealed to me. Obviously it's like a universal story structure for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, and growing up watching Westerns, it was very much like black people didn't exist in the yeah. West. And yeah. I uh, really wanted, I wanted to see me there. I wanted mm -hmm. to like delve into that and, um, just the research part of it was just really eye-opening for me, like how, how many black stories were in the West during that time and specifically black women's stories were. And so I'm not saying that what I did was, was, you know, some sort of, you know, documentary piece or you like use some biopic of like a mm -hmm. particular person, mm -hmm. but, um, with this, you know, a group of women that I, I tell this story about, they're all inspired by somebody in, in history um, during that time. And so, um, yeah, for, for that reason, I would say that that's probably uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things that I've done. Yeah. I love that. I, I love anyone uh, that's usually like the type of answer I get from that question is like, you, you know, you get a peek into the passion that drove the person to write that thing. And it just so happens was West woman, the one that kind of has done the most for you career wise too. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Mm, it depends. There was, yeah. it depends. Um, yeah. uh, it got, that was the one that was top 50 at nickel. Sure. Um, 
But it was interesting because I had submitted it the year prior for nickel and like didn't get any like, you know, what I mean? it was they, but they sent me this really lovely letter uh-huh. or email and they're like, hey, um, this was really well regarded, basically. It, you know, we know you didn't like really place in anything. They're uh-huh. like, but we would love to have you revise this and try again. Mm-hmm. And so I just took that to heart. I'm like, all right, I can now take a step back and like really see where this story should be elevated. Cause I think for any writer out there too, be honest, you know what I mean? Like don't fall in <laughs> love with your stuff and be like, Oh my God, this, they just don't get it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm out here doing this. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's just like, take, take a minute and yeah. go, okay, if I'm not making it past, you know, quarterfinals, if I'm not making it past a certain point with this, take a step back and really I mean, be honest and take a look at it and maybe see what other people are seeing. Yeah. And, you know, I had to do that because that was obviously, you know, like, oh my God, like I'm so in love with the story and it's perfect and they don't even know. And then I looked at it and I was just like, oh yeah, they know. the nickel readers know what they're talking about and i'm going to really need to go deeper into this story i it's it's this is my this is my issue i like i didn't do my job you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. far as like what we talked about before of like i could be like super esoteric and be like oh this is about life and and blackness in the west and they're like no 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 i need to embrace you in this story and pull you into this story and if i don't do that that's on me that's not you that's not some sort of like super subjective thing i need to go back in and figure that out and so did the work i think you know you know an, an instructor at afi once said like pretty much i don't feel good about something until i'm on my 11th or 12th revision of this story and honestly that i think that's where i ended up on my 11th or 12th revision of it. And, you know, did I win? No, but it was enough to get me top 50. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I I could see that it's just a matter of work and reworking and reworking. Yep. Yeah. And top 50 is a really good accolade too. Like it's, it's, it's definitely really good, but um, yeah, you, you better drop your ego (laughs) sooner than later. If you want to do this shit, because um an ego is just going to get you a dead career nothing is ever going to happen for you if you have too much ego too much pride um i think that's why so many writers i've interviewed are such humble people because it's like you just learn pretty quickly that like oh i don't know everything i don't even know like 50% of what's good for this script. Sometimes it's like, uh, and I would say when you get notes back, uh, I've said this before, many people say this, but uh, look at what notes are in common between different uh, sets of feedback. You know, if you get the same note three times, do it, just do it. Even if you don't agree with it, it's probably right. And for some reason it's not clicking in your brain. Now, if it's something that you feel like this wholly changes my vision, then all right, whatever. I'm not going to tell you to change it. But all I'm saying is like, usually when like two, three, four people say the same thing about your script, you should listen. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and and sometimes, yeah, that the note taking, absorbing 
reacting to notes is a lesson in and of itself, like how to do that, like Mm -hmm. how you're saying, because, you know, on the one hand, you're just like, but this story is me. Nobody knows this story. Like I know this story, but at the same time, you have to, you don't have to do anything. I'm suggesting (laughs) that you should know your story and the core of your story. And it should be like a tree planted by the water. Like it shall not be moved. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. this is the story you want to tell for sure. Defend it, protect it. How you tell this story. That's the thing you cannot be precious about. I think Mm. because this is when it's just like, you know, staying with my whole tree metaphor. Those are the branches. Those are the roots. You know what I mean? Like you can be rooted in your story, but how you reach out to people to tell your story, you can always improve, I think, on that. And that's the, that those are the notes that I think I try to take in. It's just like, obviously my branches aren't reaching you to tell this story that I really feel passionate about. So I need to do a better job at reaching you. Mm. And, and cause I feel like some people who I have talked to in their personal experience, you know, they get a note and it deconstructs their whole thing, or they get very insecure about their story and they don't feel as confident. Like, okay, is this even, and mm. it's just like, no, no, no. Like you keep, keep your foundation strong, but just know how you build upon it. That's the thing that you really have to like, be open to and, and take your ego out of it to, to make sure that you are doing the best service to your story because you can be too close to it. Yep. A hundred percent. And, uh, I, I think you nailed it with like, it's not what your story is, but how you tell it. Yeah. Um, because sometimes, and early on, you know, especially if you enter writing from a place of being humble already, you're just not like an, a very ego strong person. Um, you can end up, taking too many notes and now your story is a mess because you lost what the reason you wanted to tell it uh, because you listened to too many there was too many cooks in the kitchen as they say you know and uh so totally agree i also wanted to say before i forget that we have we've had like a bunch of commonalities you and i in this and another one is that our top 50 nickel scripts in 2021 were not even quarter finalists in 2020. I had the same experience. That was you too? <laughs> yeah, it was me too, except they didn't send me a nice email. Uh, they just sent me a generic rejection, which is fine. But um, but yeah, uh, yeah, also wasn't accepted at all. Reworked it over the course of 2020 and resubmitted in the spring of 21 and then, you know, went to top 50. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, let's see where are we at. We're almost done. What's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of? It could be screenwriting related. It could be anything in life. Recent, recent. Um, well, just because it's sort of like top of mind, because I feel like, you know, I'm still in the, in the midst of getting it going, but, you know, going back to the whole idea of fellowships or, you know, being out there, putting yourself out there. Um, I had uh, been, uh, I was selected for the Women Right Now Fellowship, which is a new fellowship by Kevin Hart's company. Um, It was their inaugural year. um, And this was last year. But in this, this is a lesson, I think too, um, as far as like 
pick pick your stuff kind of like wisely. They it was such and continues to be because they did it again this year. And um, but it's such a robust fellowship and it's also a niche fellowship. So, you know what I mean? It was sort of like it's for specifically women and it's for women who want to do comedy. And, you know, that's sort of my world. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, OK, yeah, this sounds amazing. Um, not knowing and the the because I think it was a first time fellowship, they were also really trying to make it substantial, which is awesome, mm-hmm. because part of it is. Um, you submitted a 10 page, you know, script that their production company, the Kevin Hart production company made. And then that was taken to Sundance for like Mm -hmm. a special premiere. You know what I mean? It wasn't like in the, you know, competition category, but it was still, but unfortunately it was COVID. So nobody got to go, but Uh, you know, for those coming up this year, you know, hopefully knock on wood, it'll be like that sort of you know, exposure and opportunity for them, but you can still say you had a film at Sundance yeah. and they, you know, connect you with so many industry people. And I'm telling you a very long story to say this, as far as like, you know, the fact that too, um, part of it was, you know, they, I don't know anything that Kevin Hart doesn't do right now. I feel like he's a man with like 52 jobs and 20 shows and yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Talking but, about workaholic. Um, that day. He's, yeah. he's workaholic. in everything. And to hear about him doing this too, is really awesome. Yeah. Like give, giving back. And um, so one late ad to this uh, fellowship was they have a relationship of course with them, NBC, Peacock, Universal, mm-hmm. whatever the mm-hmm. whole thing. Sure. And um for the three of us that were selected, there was a process where you pitch them for the chance of getting a development deal. And so I won the pitch and they announced it at like this thing where we were finally able to get together and, and gather, you know, for the first time since, you know, the pandemic. Uh-huh. And so what I'm saying is like, so I'm right in the midst of all this, like finalizing contracts for that and doing oh some other God. stuff. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm just really excited about, this starting this next level, which wouldn't have happened. And I didn't even know about this fellowship. I heard yeah. about it from a fellow, a, a friend of mine from AFI who was like, Oh, this sounds like something you should be interested in. And I literally had maybe two weeks to do the submission. Oh, boy. So it's just like write the script, do the a whole package of, you know, essays and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I have like, once if I feel like everything, I'm like, I have no chance. Mm-hmm. Of like people, you know, whatever, but you just never know what they're interested in and, you know, what story you tell. And like in the interview process, you know, like who you just like connect with, or they see something, you know, in you. So, you know, going back to this whole idea of like, you know, it's, it's kismet, you know, the idea mm-hmm. that my friend even thought of me for this fellowship and, you know, that I had time to, you know, put in the whole submission packet and, you know, to have this a year later, you know, have these things, you know, still coming, you know, from that and new opportunities coming from that. It's just like, never, never not do something because you think it won't happen, I suppose is the moral of, of my story. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so crazy. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. That's like, that's like a huge deal. Isn't his company I'm, I'm Heartbeat Productions? So. Yeah, now it was because it's, you know, he's 
just switched up and like he has some partners, I guess. So it changed from LOL Studios to Heartbeat Productions just, you know, over the summer. So, okay. yeah. And that's how come I think a lot of, you know, the contractual stuff that we were working on, um, it took a little bit longer because mm. they obviously had bigger things happening with the restructuring of, you know, his company. Got it, but, got it. you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that because I, you know, it's light at the end of the tunnel as far as like finally being able to sort of get started on, on that part of it. So like professional end of it. Yeah. Being a professional writer. Yeah. That's hopefully, hopefully right. It like, sounds hopefully. like it. I mean, and you're, and you're right too, like getting into something like in the inaugural kind of year, it's like, you, Cause like funny enough, like, you know, it, it, we're all friends. It's not a competition, but however, getting into a new fellowship, something like that in the inaugural year, it's like not a lot of people are privy to it. Uh, so the pool might be like, cause I just submitted my last short film to Kevin Smith, uh, who did clerks and yeah. stuff. He yeah. has a film festival this year. It's, uh, his inaugural film festival. And, uh, that's what I'm banking on. I'm like, oh man, I just hope that not a lot of people know about it yet. And the right? pool is small and maybe I'll get selected. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm not saying that's what happened with you, but all I'm saying is like, there is some benefit, you know, to catching things early and there uh, is. Yeah. And also because they are invested in people who they select, you know what I mean? Because they want the PR, they want to say, this is something that's important and substantial and you mm -hmm. should come and you should apply to this because look what we're doing. You know what yeah, I mean? So it's yeah. just like, you're a little bit of their PR team as yeah. well, which is, yeah. yeah. If you can go inaugural, go for do sure. It. Do it for sure. Okay, <laughs> cool. So, I mean, that's great news. And, uh, um, I can't wait to hear more about that someday. Uh, what are a few words of it? I know we've been talking about advice this whole time, but yeah. if you can summon a few more, what are a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially to those who are just getting started? I would, uh, I would definitely say, uh, first and foremost, to be true to yourself, because every everybody out here is, you know, writing a story, um, but nobody's going to write it like you. And I think that you need to trust that. You need to invest your time in that, um, your own voice, um, uh, and not, not be swayed, because there are plenty of people who are going to tell you what you should be doing, what you could be doing, you know, what's the right way to go about doing something. And I'm not at a place to tell anybody anything. Cause you know, once again, I have a day job, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I would just say from my own personal experience that, you know, in these early stages, nobody, nobody knows Nobody knows, like there's no direct path to screenwriting. There's no direct path to getting on a show or to getting a film made or to doing any of this except the path you create. And it has to be the path that's right for you and that somebody shouldn't talk you off of that or try to get you, you know, or make you believe, you know, that the one that you're taking is wrong. It's just the one that's yours and embrace that. Yeah, well, Andrea, it was great. Uh, so glad to have you on. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you as well. And I will see you back on Twitter.
All right, that's it, y'all. Episode 17 is in the books. I want to thank Belandria for coming on the show and just really being open and transparent about so many things. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. She's such an insightful person, um, and she's got some really big things happening, as you kind of heard towards the end of the episode there with the whole kevin hart's company fellowship and you know nbc and all the powers that be kind of opening the door potentially for willandria and we all hope that that happens uh she seems like a great person and a hard worker so uh people like that deserve it uh if you heard something you liked heard something i said in this episode that's stupid go ahead and mention us at social writer pod say whatever you want to say just give some kind of review i want to hear what you guys think about the show um, and the same goes if you like the show and you want to donate and help me out a little bit. Again, it's my birthday week. <laughs> my birthday's Wednesday. Uh, if you wanted to give me a couple bucks through there uh, for putting the show together, I wouldn't say no to that. Um, you can do it at the Linktree link in our social media pages, Twitter and Instagram at Social Rider Pod. Go to the Linktree. The top link is a donate button. It takes you to a PayPal page. And PayPal's safe. We're not afraid of PayPal. PayPal's good. Um, and you can leave a couple bucks. I would super appreciate it. If you can't, not a big deal. Uh, that's it, guys. Um, man, it's hot outside. I don't know if it's hot where you are, but it is fucking hot in the Midwest. Uh, I would say make sure you're staying hydrated. Um, if you're going out, maybe wear some sunscreen. If you have fair skin and you don't want to get burnt. Uh, yeah, you know... Uh, Eat vegetables, try to get some exercise in, um, just, you know, take care of yourselves. I actually start therapy this week on Thursday with a new therapist. I've only ever been to one ap appointment ever, uh, and it wasn't very good. So I'm hoping that this one's different, but I'm excited for that this week. I hope you guys are also trying to take care of yourselves. I've come to the conclusion that I can't enter into this career with my mindset the way it is, so I gotta go work on that. Uh, and get the healthiest I can before this all kicks off, hopefully. So um, I hope you guys are thinking about that as well. Uh, take care of yourselves. I love you all. Thanks for listening. Uh, bye bye. The social screenwriters pod.